Hello, and welcome to episode three of Fight Me, a mixed martial arts news and opinion podcast. Mostly opinion, though. Uh, It is November 5th, and we have had one hell of a week, actually about two weeks of uh, mixed martial arts, because I am about a week late on my episode. It's early in the podcast. Uh, It's only episode three. No one's listening yet, unless you're listening, in which case I appreciate you, I recognize you, and thank you very much for listening to my little podcast here. Uh, Fight me, in case you uh, are only tuning in on this episode, haven't listened to the other two. Fight me is a mixed martial arts news and opinion podcast where I espouse my opinions on the week in mixed martial arts, or in this case, the past two weeks. I talk about uh, the most recent events uh, across all organizations, obviously the UFC being pretty prevalent amongst all of them, uh, but everything from top to bottom uh, as it pertains to the mixed martial arts world. Um, we have had a uh, a pretty nuts week in general, uh, a lot of uh, things happening for the first time. Uh, Daniel Cormier defending his... Uh, back-to-back defending two titles at the same time for the very first time in the history of mixed martial arts, uh, defending his heavyweight title while still holding the light heavyweight title. This has never happened in the history of the UFC, and I believe the sport, but I'm not actually sure. Um, So we will get a little bit more into UFC 230 in a little bit, but we have some news Right off the bat, uh, I hate to give um, too much notice to uh, the Floyd Mayweather news, but it is out there, uh, and <laughs> it was actually just announced yesterday, I believe, somewhere around 15 hours ago, um, that Floyd Mayweather is coming out of retirement to fight... Um, I actually have to look at the name because... Uh, as I am somewhat familiar with uh, Tenshin uh, Nasukawa, uh, I am I am not that familiar. I'm not a big uh, kickboxing mark, uh, not a big fan. Uh, I do love kickboxing, and I know a lot of uh, kickboxers find their way into mixed martial arts, so I always try to stay up on it. Uh, but I do know Tenshin Nasukawa is a 27-0 uh, kickboxer, I believe a 4-0 mixed martial arts record as well. A big up-and-comer, and and, uh, just a very impressive young guy, 20 years of age, less than half the age of Floyd Mayweather. Um, So I understand why anybody would want to make a name in the mixed martial arts world off of beating this young man. Uh, I don't understand why Floyd Mayweather is fighting him. I mean, obviously, it makes some sense... um, you know, we've seen many uh, boxers and mixed martial arts fighters uh, sort of try to find their way into the Asian market uh, for mixed martial arts or boxing. There's a huge untapped market there for combat sports athletes, for sure. But I don't understand why Floyd Miller wants to do it at this point in his career. 
under the uh, flag of Ryzen Mixed Martial Arts. Uh, Ryzen being an organization that is owned and operated by a disgraced promoter sort of uh, fell apart in the whole if you know anything about uh, after Pride then Dream came about then Ryzen kind of all under the same umbrella but they've all been sort of marred by controversy being mobbed up uh, having ties to the Yakuza many fighters from Pride coming out with stories about thrown fights uh, a lot of fighter or several fighters saying that they had been uh, basically incentivized to take steroids, a lot of things like that. So it is interesting that Floyd Mayweather would decide to fight in an organization that had been so widely marred with controversy. Not even necessarily controversy at this point. Facts uh, stating that they had been corrupt. So... I'm not saying that he's entering this fight because it is fixed. I don't think it would make a lot of sense for either fighter at this point in their career, either Mayweather or um, Masakawa or Nasakawa, to throw a fight at this point because you know they both have undefeated records and they are both big up and comers. Any or not up and comers that uh, Nasakawa obviously being the younger of the fighters, but they are both have uh, flawless records and it just wouldn't make either sense, sense for either of them to risk tarnishing that. But uh, it's any time Floyd Mayweather announces a fight, people are going to pay attention. And uh, the reason it's sort of prevalent in the mixed martial arts world is twofold, in my opinion. He's been talking about fighting... Uh, fighting Khabib Nurmagomedov, the UFC's new lightweight champion and a long-time big name in the mixed martial arts world. And if I could say any one thing that I'm very happy about this fight uh, being booked for, it is the fact that we are going to, at least for a little while, stop talking about Floyd Mayweather fighting uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. I it it's making me sick at this point. Khabib Nurmagomedov has finally gotten to the place he needs to be in the mixed martial arts world. He's finally proven himself amongst the best of the best. People can, to an extent at least, stop saying that he has not proved himself to be one of the best in the world. He beat Conor McGregor. He's beat everybody he had to beat on the way up. Sure, he still, in my opinion, has to defend his belt a few times to really, truly prove himself as one of the greatest of all time. He's well on his way to doing so, obviously, but I'd like to see him continue to do it in mixed martial arts, not fight the Conor McGregor, uh, not play the Conor McGregor game, not fight the Conor McGregor way. Uh, he doesn't have to do any of that. He shouldn't do any of that. Um, he doesn't need to fight Floyd Mayweather. He What he needs to do is stay in mixed martial arts, become the pride of the sport, become the pride of the organization, become one of the most winning champs of all time. He's definitely capable of doing all of that. Um, and that is, in my opinion, how he carves out his legacy. Not by doing the Floyd Mayweather thing, not by talking shit in public, 
and which I think he's starting to do more and more now that his English has gotten better. Uh, but I think what we want to see, or at least what I want to see, is a champion who wins by winning. Who, which Conor McGregor, as much as he has, you know, I'm I'm not taking away anything that he's done, but Conor McGregor wins regardless if he wins or loses. He is able to do that because of who he is. He's able to get this huge fan base that will be with him no matter what. And he's going to be able to make his money through many different ways. His whiskey, uh, different endorsements, promotions. He has that kind of personality. He can do that. I think if Khabib tries to do that, he is going to completely squander who he is as a person and as an athlete uh, when he really has a chance here to become a part of history, to become one of those champions that, you know, looks unbeatable, looks godlike. He, if he wins a few more fights, he takes on Tony Ferguson, which in my opinion is one of the hardest matchups for him. Uh, or, you know, even goes on to fight Ben Askren at catchweight, which is something we'll you know, well, I guess we can go ahead and talk about it now because this kind of bleeds into that. But Ben Askren now being a uh, being a force in the UFC. Uh, if you don't know who Ben Askren is, then you're not a big mixed martial arts fan, or you at least uh, have not necessarily been paying attention to anything outside of the UFC. Ben Askren, at least one of the best fighters to never fight in the UFC. Uh, Fedor being another, um, a couple other fighters, uh, throughout, uh, throughout the sport. But I would say that Ben Askren is definitely one of the biggest ones. Uh, multiple time Olympian, uh, amazing wrestler, has barely been touched in his mixed martial arts career, taken very little damage, and looked all but unbeatable in uh, every fight that he's had uh, up until now. Uh, being traded in a... Yeah, traded. I said it. Because, I believe me, I've been struggling with this one too. But uh, the Demetrius Johnson for Ben Askren trade between the UFC and one championship uh, is is a trade. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense because neither are... Uh, are actual employees of either organization. They're both contractors, uh, but uh, each organization has bought the other's contract. Um, Not a trade in the traditional sense, not a trade like in football or basketball or baseball or any of that, but a trade nonetheless. Uh, I I read another news outlet saying that this couldn't be a trade. Uh, It's more of a... uh, more of a mutual agreement between organizations and fighters to send one fighter to the other organization. I don't know why we're really parsing words here. That sounds like a trade to me, just a trade under the confines of the organizations that we're dealing with. Regardless, I think it at least sets a precedent. Uh, if If it does nothing else, it sets a precedent when fighters are unhappy with you know, where they are, like a, like a Mark Hunt, who obviously has had a lot of, uh, a, 
a lot of problems over the years with uh, USADA and uh, UFC and his uh, difficulties uh, that I believe he's still fighting in court. I'm not sure if that has been settled, but um, you know, someone like Mark Hunt, who's unhappy in the UFC, or someone in uh, Bellator that the UFC would love to have, but um, you know, would have to maybe give something up to Bellator to get, like a, like a Fedor Emelianenko, who everybody has always wanted to see in the UFC for a long time. Uh, this really opens things up. Uh, I know everybody's kind of talking about their ideal trades. Uh, I I know I have a few. If anybody listening out there has any, go ahead and uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at MMA Fight Me on each of them. Uh, and let me know what your ideal trades are. Um, not really familiar with a lot of one's roster, but I know there are some trades that I would definitely like to see. Uh, I would that I would definitely like to see come from uh, like Bellator to the UFC. I think if I were to say some ideal trades, I would love to see. Um, I would love to see Fedor come to the UFC, uh, but I th- and I would love to see. Um, I would love to see Nate Diaz come to Bellator and fight some of the uh fight some of the fighters that they have over there. Uh obviously you'd have to sweeten the pot, so I'd say like what let's say Fedor and um like one of the Pitbull brothers uh over to the UFC for for like a Nate Diaz. I think that would be the kind of thing that we could start looking at in the future. Um, or no, you know what? Uh, even like a Mark Hunt over to the UFC. Um, as opposed to Nate Diaz. Something like that. There's a lot of things, uh, implications in the future. And this really sets a precedent when somebody uh, in one organization is unhappy, would like to go in, into another one. I'd like to talk to us for a second about uh, what it means with Demetrius Johnson being sent over to uh, to one FC and no longer fighting in the UFC. In a lot of people's opinions, definitely my opinion, Demetrius Johnson is one of the best fighters of all time uh, in the sport of mixed martial arts, not just in the UFC. Uh, one problem a lot of people have had is that maybe he hasn't faced the caliber of fighter that a lot of other people who are considered greats have fought. I honestly think he's we're going to get to see a lot of cool matchups with him in one. One has a heavier concentration of... Uh, smaller fighters a lot of people in the 125 area a lot of fighters uh in asia that wouldn't necessarily come over to america for many different reasons we're going to get to see a lot of fun matchups i know demetrius johnson is going to get sponsors again which is fucking awesome for him uh the ufc just has not seemed to understand how to really push a guy like dj 
and I think with the uh, popularity of esports in Asia, um, and you know one being based out of Asia, I think you're gonna be starting to see a little bit of that. I mean, the fact that the UFC has pumped so much money, uh, and uh, so much money and uh, commercials and the advertising into their video game, but not really use the fact that that one of their uh, champions and one of the greatest fighters in the history of mixed martial arts, Demetrius Johnson, is huge on uh, gamer streaming. Uh, has a lot of followers on Twitch. Uh, very popular gamer to watch. And he's in their video game. I, I think one is really going to be able to use things like that. And I know now that uh, Demetrius Johnson has the ability to have sponsors back. Like one doesn't have anything like the Reebok deal. Uh, which basically killed all of the fighters uh, in ring sponsors. He's now going to be able to get all that back. Uh, he's be he'll be able to get Xbox back on his shorts. Or I think he actually went over to PS Four. Now he had some sort of debacle with the uh, Xbox or something like that. Um, but regardless, the sponsors are going to start pouring in. I really think one is going to know how to use him. And on the flip side. Ben Askren coming over to the UFC. We're going to start to really see if Ben Askren is as good as he thinks he is. And a lot of people think that he could be. Uh, I I think it might have been the best career choice possible for him because he was able to get in tons of experience against maybe not UFC fighters, but high caliber fighters. Uh, you know, starching guys like Douglas Lima, who uh, Douglas Lima crushes people. He's a great fighter. He had a, in my opinion, a really close fight with Rory McDonald, who a lot of people think is one of the best uh, welterweights of all time. And I would agree with those people. Uh, just made made him look like nothing. And that's what Ben Askren does to people. So it would be really interesting to see what Ben Askren is able to do against the elite of 170. Uh, the one sort of uh, funky part there, yeah, I meant to say funky, uh, one of the funky parts there is that Ben Askren will, has already said that he will not fight uh, Tyron Woodley, the 170 champ in the UFC, so I don't know if, you know, obviously the UFC knows that, so I don't know if this could be partially uh, self-aware on their part. Maybe they're thinking about trying to build up that 165 weight class, which would be perfect for a Ben Askren. You know, maybe we'll start to see uh, some of these uh, fighters who are more suited for 170 fall into that. Maybe Nate Diaz, Poirier, uh, people like that. I don't really think it would take much to build up that 170 weight class. Another a uh, big fight that everybody's talking about with Askren is the George St. Pierre fight. I'd I'd like to see Ben Askren get in quite a few fights before we're even talking about that. And that being said, I don't know that um George St. Pierre would even want that. He's said that if he were to take a fight or another fight it would be for legacy and I really don't see Ben Askren a basically unproven commodity at this point 
uh, I don't think he would consider fighting him. Uh, not only an unproven commodity, but a super dangerous fighter for somebody like George St. Pierre, who relies so heavily on his wrestling and being able to take people down and dominate and control them, would not be able to do that with Ben Askren. So I, I really don't see him wanting to take, George St. Pierre wanting to take that fight. But it is something people have been talking a lot about because Ben Askren will probably be fighting at a welterweight. That is, unless they decide to uh, uh, to make a 165 weight class, which I haven't talked about on the show before, but I'm all about adding more weight classes. I don't know how you guys feel out there. Feel free to uh, weigh in and let me know if you're listening to me on Anchor. You can go ahead and leave a voice message. Let me know how you feel about adding more weight classes. I've heard a lot of people saying that it would... Uh, dilute the um, the star power of uh, of each champion. Adding too many champions will start to water things down. I think that might have been a little true in the beginning of the UFC uh, when we were really trying to build stars and things like that. And I know we are still still trying to board, build stars in any sport. Uh, any sport is made stronger by having these big icons, but. I really don't see a problem. I think if you added a 165 tomorrow, uh, there would be plenty of people to fill it. Uh, you know, a, a guy like uh, a guy like Kevin Lee could really use to go up in weight class. Plenty of these big 155ers that wouldn't aren't quite big enough to uh, go up to 170. They would do really well. At 165. And then you just make 175 instead of 170. It's always been a weird jump for me anyway. Um, from 155 to 170 to 185. Uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you just make 175. I don't think that'll change the welterweight weight class very much. I think Tyron Woodley would be glad to not have to cut those five extra pounds as would a lot of fighters, that might even fix things for certain 170-pounders who have been having a hard time uh, getting down to 170, cough, cough, Darren Till, and guys like that. And I really think it would fix a lot, and I, I wouldn't mind it at all. You have 125, 135, 145, 155, 165, 175. Fuck, let's add a 195, <laughs> 205 what 225 after that uh, it, i i say let's do it um that would just make more sense to me than having um a heavyweight division where guys who are 225 are fighting guys who are 260 uh i know we kind of want to hold on to those last the those last draws of a uh, pride era where we have guys of insanely different weight classes fighting each other and that's that's still a place where that kind of holds that possibility in the UFC is the heavyweight division, but I don't, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. So let's do it. Let's add more weight classes. Let me know how you guys feel about that. But I think if you're adding, if you're adding Ben Askren to the UFC, he's a natural welterweight. He's not going to fight Tyron Woodley. I don't really see anything you can do besides build that 165 weight class. We've been talking about it for a while. Dana White uh, said point blank that he is not interested in doing that. He also says things all the time (laughs) that he 
knows damn well he's not going to hold to. At one point, I think he said that women would never fight in the UFC. And now we have an increasing amount of weight classes in the UFC. I think they're going to add an Adam weight uh, belt as well, which I, I'm all about that. I'd love to see an Adam weight in the UFC. There are so many great Adam weights in Invicta. Um, the UFC would be crazy not to start uh, folding them into the UFC. They just added a featherweight belt, which they really haven't been able to fill out very well. Of course, we have that uh, Cyborg Nunes fight coming soon. Hopefully that will help kind of solidify that weight class. We just added 125. Uh, so n- not only are there women fighting, but there's an increasingly uh, larger amount of weight classes there. So let's keep it going. Uh, but yeah, going back to uh, UFC 230, kind of getting out of the hypothetical and the... Um, the futurism of it all and talking about the past or the recent past. Uh, we had a really awesome uh, event this weekend in the UFC. It was a lot of fun uh, from beginning to end, a lot of great fights. Um, not really a single fight on the main card that I thought was boring for a second uh, or any that I thought was a bad matchup. Obviously, I was a little disappointed by some of the fights because. Uh, Two of my favorite guys didn't do so well. I will get into that a little later. Uh, but we had a great card. Um, some of the uh, earlier fights that I thought were noteworthy. Uh, Matt Favola versus Lando Venata. Uh, not getting fight of the night. Which uh, I would have really liked to see. And I think would have been well earned with those guys. From beginning to end just slugged it out showing a lot of talent a lot of skill uh really dynamic striking between the two of them uh some nice exchanges nice scrambles just from beginning to end really impressive fight to watch and a majority draw you don't see draws very often in the UFC I know that they kind of piss people off and the judges may be trying not to do it but if you're upset about a draw in that fight, I ask you to please score it for me because I have no idea who the fuck won that fight. And you can't blame any judge for calling that one a draw because nobody won that fight. Well, okay, everybody won that fight. I think both Matt Favola and Lando Venata will, uh, both their stock will be affected positively due to that fight. Just a really awesome fight. Um... What else? The first fight of uh, the first fight of the night, um, or of the uh, main card, uh, Israel Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. Uh, Israel Adesanya being one of two people to be given performance of the night. Uh, Jared Cannonier, who we'll talk about later, uh, and uh, Israel Adesanya. Uh, both great performances by both of them, but Israel Adesanya answering all questions anyone had against him. Uh, or about him. I know a lot of people were uh, saying that Derek Brunson was going to be the biggest uh, challenge Israel Adesanya has faced thus far. And that is true. He's probably the most complete fighter, one of the most successful fighters that Israel Adesanya has fought. But I will say, this isn't any slight on Derek Brunson, just stylistically, I was not surprised by the outcome. Derek Brunson's the kind of fighter who takes a lot of risks, 
And that's not something you can do against a striker like Israel Adesanya, uh, a marksman like him. Uh, Derek Brunson's known for uh, taking chances to uh, get in and get that shot or um, get in and, uh, you know, land a, land a powerful overhand uh, or something like that. Israel Adesanya is not something you, somebody you can take any chances with, and that was proven. And I think uh, after this fight, it's nothing but killers for Israel Adesanya uh, at middleweight. And there is no shortage of killers at 180, an always stacked division. Uh, but honestly, uh, I know I know it's pretty popular to be on the bandwagon for Israel Adesanya. He's a charismatic dude. Uh, he's got a great look, awesome accent, uh, always quick with the memes, a cocky guy, but also a relatable guy. Um, you're really the complete package, and I think the UFC has done it right with him. A lot of people thought, um, you know, thought Israel Adesanya's last fight was a uh, was too much too soon for him, and he 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 beat his opponent handily in this fight with Brunson. Same thing. People thought that it was uh, it was too much too soon. They thought they should give him another uh, fight that was easier to win. And he handily won that fight in the first round, which was honestly a matchup that I liked for him in the beginning. But after this, you got to start giving him, you got to start giving him killers, and he's got to prove himself. But even at the top of the UFC, uh, uh, the UFC's middleweight division, I definitely think Adesanya has the ability to uh, to beat most people at the top. I I I definitely like to see it. Um, but uh, nonetheless, just a really impressive victory against Derek Brunson. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Sajari Eubanks versus Roxanne Martafari. Uh, unanimous decision for Sajari Eubanks. Uh, great victory for her. Roxanne Martafari is no joke. Uh, pretty impressive. Um... Pretty impressive victory on her half, and uh, you know, one twenty five is just something that we really have to see develop here. And I, I think the um, the upcoming title fight with um, Shevchenko and uh, Jerkcheck is going to really help turn that. And you know, if it's an amazing fight and it draws a lot of eyes to it, which I think it has everything it needs to to be uh, I really think that it's it's gonna it's gonna make for some exciting matches coming up and I think Sajara Eubank has uh, definitely earned her place to have the next title shot uh, against whoever wins that fight I don't really see anybody else who it would make sense for so uh, and especially since she was supposed to have it already and that whole flip-flop back and forth where she was, uh, Jack-Jack was already scheduled the fight, and then it got taken away from her because they needed a headliner for this card. But then Cormier became the headliner, so they stripped it back away from Sajara Eubanks um, and gave it back to Ioana. The 
big, big crazy mess, and they definitely owe Sajara that uh, title shot. So I hope she gets it sooner rather than later. Uh, and then we, we had Jacare defeating uh, Weidman uh, in the fight of the night. Uh, you know, obviously the bigger fight, uh, bigger than uh, Frivola versus uh, Venata. So I understand why they gave it to him. Uh, complete with a finish, not a uh, not a majority draw like the other one. Uh, so I see why they gave it. To, they gave it to the two of them. Uh, early on in the fight, I thought Weidman was gonna walk away with it, uh, doing a doing a really good job landing crisp combinations. His hands were on point as always. Um, you know, in my opinion, really controlling the fight, even though it was still pretty tight. Jacare's uh, no slouch anywhere in the octagon uh, but definitely on his feet uh, doing doing a really good job uh, all the way up into the third round where he uh, he landed a really crisp clean straight and uh, knocked Weidman to his feet <laughs> and uh, the, re- the ref in one of the uh, one of the worst I believe it was Dan Margliata uh, one of the worst uh examples of his refereeing skills that I've ever seen. Uh, usually, um, you know, I'm not saying anything about him in general. I understand it's a difficult job, but uh, it was a really bizarre stoppage. It looked like when Jacques Ray uh, dropped Weidman to the ground that he was going to start to break it up. So Jacques Ray kind of stopped, and then he also stopped and kind of gave a shoulder shrug. And Jacques Ray looked at him like, are you serious? And then he started to punch Weidman, and Mergulata threw him off. It was really confusing, uh, but nonetheless, great win for Jacques Ray. Advancing him up the ladder. Uh, I mean, what can I say? He's a guy who's been there for a long time as a gatekeeper. I hope he gets a, another title shot eventually. Um, I, but if anything, I'd like to see him... Uh, put up against some of the young guys who are on their way up in that division. Uh, Adesanya versus Jacare would be an amazing fight. They both fought uh, this weekend. They'll both be on course to be ready for another fight. Uh, that's something I would love to see. So uh, UFC, get on it. I know you're listening to this podcast. Just kidding. I know you're not. Um, but that was an awesome uh, awesome fight. Jerry Cannonier uh, putting on a great uh a great win, um, pretty impressive, um, as well. Uh, moving on to the main event, uh, Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis. Uh, like I believe I said last week in this podcast, uh, Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis was the fun, light, uh, entertaining fight that we needed after, uh, UFC 229, um, the whole craziness um, between Khabib and Connor, the whole brawl, all the dark geopolitical shit talking, uh, Connor's drunken uh, tirade, uh, pouring a shot of whiskey in Khabib's face and making fun of him for not drinking it, even though he knows that he's Muslim and it's against his religion. Uh, a lot of craziness, a lot of just dark stuff. And it brought out the worst in not only fighters and managers and all of that, uh, brought out the worst in fans. I still see nonstop 
um, n- nonstop bullshit from people online. Uh, just it seems to. Have, I guess everybody was already in two camps, and I wasn't aware of it. Uh, but everybody is just taking every chance that they can on the internet to say uh, what they thought about either Khabib or Connor at any given point. I think I saw. Um, I think I saw Dana White post like a meme that had nothing to do. I think it was a meme about Mike Tyson or something that had nothing to do with either fighters. And the first comment I saw on it was, um, was Khabib choked your boy out. Like, (laughs) what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, that, that is, that is what happened. Uh, If you want to call Connor, uh, if you want to call Connor Dana White's boy, I, I, I guess, you know, he has given him plenty of uh, preferential treatment, just like he has any of uh, the UFC's biggest moneymakers from Ronda to Brock to um, to anybody you want to say that about. So, yeah, I, I just don't understand why people are still, uh, still so uh, in a ra- enraged about the events that happened that night and uh, all the shit talking that happened in between. I mean, it was it was all we could talk about in the mixed martial arts community. Uh, the the months leading up to the fight and the days after the fight. But at this point, what are you guys even still doing? It's just, uh, it's the this idea that you have to that people are so loyal to either fighter. I just don't understand it. And I um, was really glad to see a fight like Lewis versus Cormier uh, taking place where just ridiculous from beginning to end. The fact that uh, Cormier was recovering from a broken hand. Uh, The UFC asked him if he could fight on this card to sort of save the card, if you will, even though it was already a pretty great card, but they didn't have any headline fight. Uh, and especially after that Nate Poirier, uh, Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier fight dropped out, there was really nothing to helm the ship. So they asked Daniel Cormier if he would fight. He was still recovering from a hand injury. Uh, so he said, well, that depends who it is. They told him Derek Lewis, and I guess he thought he could beat Derek Lewis with a injured hand. And he was right, because he definitely could. Uh, so there's definitely something to say about Derek Lewis not fighting uh, Stephen Miocic and giving him his rematch, but fighting the number two guy under uh, Stephen Miocic, uh, a fighter who is exceptionally less dangerous. Uh, I'm not, you know, not saying that uh, Derek Lewis isn't dangerous. He can knock anybody out at any given time, and that's why we love watching him fight, and he proved that uh, in his last fight uh, against uh, Alexander Volkan. But, um, you know, I did not think for a second that he was going to be able to do that against Daniel Cormier, and I was right. And uh, the Vegas odds showed that no one else really thought he could do it either. I believe the odds opened around 800. I don't know what they were by the time of the fight. But they were still pretty, uh, pretty high in Daniel Cormier's favor. Uh, you know, uh, Derek Lewis had one way to win this fight, 
and he was not able to do it. He, I don't even think he was able to land a shot, honestly. Uh, he did exactly what we thought he would do. He took Darius, Derek Lewis down. He looked great. He looked insanely fast for a heavyweight, uh, way too fast for a fighter like Derek Lewis. Uh, I love Daniel Cormier at heavyweight. I think it's a shame we won't be able to, we won't get to see him. I think he said he only has two fights left, and I believe him. Uh, I wish it weren't true, but I I do think it's true. I think he's going to fight Brock Lesnar for the money. Uh, Whether Lesnar is on steroids or not, I don't think he cares. He's going to take that money fight. And then I think he's going to fight John Jones, and then I think he's going to retire. Uh, a lot of people are uh, are not sure if he's going to fight John Jones or not, or if he's just going to have this one more one more fight. Because he did say two fights, but I think he wasn't factoring the Derek Lewis fight into that when he said it. I think he plans on fighting Brock Lesnar. Then I think he plans on fighting John Jones. I hope at heavyweight. Uh, and then I think he plans on retiring. Uh, now, if John Jones beats him, I don't know if that changes his retirement plans or not. But uh, I hope not. I hope even if he loses that fight, he uh, he holds true and retires and you know gets out of the game while he still can. I I, I think Daniel Cormier is by far. One of the greatest to ever uh, to ever do it, and I don't think John beating John Jones uh, is really something that he that he needs to do. I, now that being said, I know he's a fierce competitor, and uh, I wouldn't be able to tell him that. I think he probably cannot uh, call it quits until he defeats John Jones. So, I I think that's what he's gonna do. Uh, but that being said, that brings me to our uh, fight me point of the week. Uh, where I state a stern uh, opinion of my own that might not be popular. Sometimes it might be popular. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's popular or not because it's my opinion. And that's why I'm uh, bringing it up on this show. And I want you to feel free to fight me about it. That's right. I am uh, going from all four corners of the internet to uh, rail up your scourge and get you... Uh, get you all flustered up like you love to do internet and I want you to argue uh or agree whatever you want to do just make sure uh make sure to put your fighting shoes on uh so go I'm going to I'm going to read my statement and after that I want you guys to go to uh Twitter uh Instagram uh Facebook and uh and fight me on it uh hashtag #MMA fight me on Twitter Hashtag MMA fight me on Instagram. Uh, hashtag MMA fight me on Facebook. I don't know if you do hashtags. I know some people do, but I think it's mostly just old people who don't know how hashtags work. Uh, regardless, um, here we go. I think Daniel Cormier has revitalized the heavyweight division in the UFC. I honestly have not been excited about the heavyweight division since Cain Velasquez was champion. Uh, one of the most important heavyweights of all time, Cain Velasquez. Uh, the only reason Daniel Cormier was fighting at 205 in the first place was because uh, Cain Velasquez is a training partner of his and a teammate. 
and he did not want to compete against him. Uh, ever since Cain Velasquez, we've really had a pretty weak heavyweight division. Uh, and if it weren't for uh, Daniel Cormier's teammate being Cain Velasquez, he would have stayed heavyweight in the UFC the entire time and probably, in my opinion, become the heavyweight champion. I don't know if we ever would have had a Stipe Miocic if uh, Daniel Cormier hadn't gone down to 205. That being said, Stipe, I'm not taking anything away from Stipe. He was one of the greatest uh, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. But we saw how he looked against uh, DC, and I do not see a rematch against Stipe uh, being any different with DC. I think uh, DC's got his number big time. He's got everything that... Uh, Stipe has. Uh, a lot of people say that DC is not a true heavyweight, uh, that uh, Stipe is going to have that size and power over him if they uh, go into a rematch. It might look a little different. I don't know about that. I, I think DC is a natural heavyweight. Uh, yeah, he's soft. He's, uh, he's a big, doughy guy. But, he, I mean, we've seen uh, firsthand that's how he fights best for one reason or another. I mean, he was even soft when he was an Olympic wrestler. He's um he's just always going to have some extra fat on him and uh for whatever reason, he derives his energy from junk food apparently because he's at his best when he's got that extra weight. He came into that heavyweight fight against Stipe Miocic weighing more than the champ, weighing more than uh than Stipe. So, yeah, it's obvious to me more now than ever that heavyweight is uh, Daniel Cormier's natural division, and uh, I think he's going to go out on top as a heavyweight, and I think he has... I really hope he doesn't retire after two fights, but I think that if he does, he's going to make the heavyweight division a better place for it, and he's riding the wave of a trend that I love to see in the UFC which is guys who were killing themselves to get down to 205, fighting at heavyweight, and proving that they are actually the more suited uh, the suited fighters for heavyweight. I know we've got... There's, there's definitely going to be some freaks of nature who come out who are athletic, uh, natural 205ers, guys who have to cut down to 265. Maybe we'll find more Brock Lesnar's out there who actually have... Uh, mixed martial arts skill in uh in every side of mixed martial arts and are not taking those Mexican supplements uh and get there naturally. But right now it looks like the best heavyweights are, you know, the guys who are around between like two thirty and two forty who could uh dehydrate themselves and change their lifestyles and get down to two oh five but are best at uh at their natural heavyweight weight. You know, Daniel Cormier fights somewhere around two forty. Uh he and he looked amazing against uh Derek Lewis who weighed um I think he weighed two sixty four the night of the fight or something like that. Or two fifty four? I'm not sure. Um but he's a big boy. 
but then again, Derek Lewis, I'm sure, if he lost a lot of his weight, he could get down to 205. Would Derek Lewis be worth anything at 205? No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I mean, just based on his skill level, if he, he loses a lot of that power, uh, the way he moves and you know his uh, skill set, he would be dead in the water at 205. So I think as we start to see these 205ers go up, we'll start to see that... Um, you know, I mean, let's face it, the heavyweight division in the UFC is one of the last places where a guy like Derek Lewis can survive. You know, one of the last places that still remember, uh, resembles the old days of the UFC. Uh, and I'll, there will always be a place for those guys. There will probably always be a few of them at the highest level in the UFC because they can knock anybody out at any point in time. But I think we're going to start to see fewer of those guys and we're going to start to see more and more of these fast-moving uh, heavyweights. And I think Daniel Cormier is to to thank for that. And I think Daniel Cormier has revitalized the heavyweight division. If you don't agree with me, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at MMA Fight Me and fight me about it. And that is our Fight Me Point of the Week. So uh, however you feel about that, hit me up. Uh, That brings us to the end of our podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Please hit me up on all those social media platforms that I uh, just gave to you. And uh, check us out. We're going to be doing this once a week. I swear, from now on, I'm going to do it once a week. I'm taking this shit seriously. And as of next week, I will start to have actual good sound and production uh, we're kind of retooling everything. Uh, we're going to take this uh, podcast out of the 90s and into the 2010s, if that's what it's called that we're in right now. Whatever it is, that's where we're headed. We're headed into the future, ladies and gentlemen. So please check in next week. As always, I have been Anthony Tadaro. And if you don't like it, you can fight me about it. Until next week. <laughs>